I'm excited for this episode. Me too! Especially because it seems like we're both only going to talk about two games after we were like, hey, let's make, let's bring three. Let's try to trim it down. We were like, we're going to fucking trim it down. We're going to trim it down. We're going to get in there. your podcast for the cheap old indie and on sale we took a week off but we are back baby better than ever my name is ash vernon i'm my name is jordan hamilton and i miss uncle randy your 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 dear uncle tell me about your uncle randy jordan uh uncle randy left me a computer (laughs) well actually did he (laughs) actually uncle randy didn't leave me a computer Uncle Randy died of mysterious causes, and now I'm digging through an old computer that uh, his wife found and was like, maybe you'll get uh, some something out of digging through this, and he would be happy if he knew somebody was carrying on his work. I have been playing a game. Um, I was going to say, this is almost indistinguishable as a bit. Like, this is <laughs> almost just a very strange story that you're telling everyone. Oh, uh, that's good, because I'm going to tell a couple of strange stories on this one. I'm... Uh, I played some games that have some really interesting narratives, um, and they run the gamut from, um, like, kind of deep narratives that are very player-driven and very bare-bones narratives that are still incredibly, um, what's the word? Robust. Robust is also good. Jordan, um, I'm so excited for this episode. We both picked such weird games. We did. We really fulfilled the like dodge button aesthetic with this one. Uh, yeah. I, like, the the games I brought don't even have publishers. They're really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think mine, or at least several of mine also do not. Yeah. Um, Just but... little bitsy baby weirdo indie games. Yeah. Mine are super gay, which and is old. exciting. Mine are not old. Mine, but... mine are old. <laughs> you got the old part of the the uh-huh. the motto down. Um, yeah, so I've been playing TIS one hundred. Uh, it stands for Tessellated Intelligence System. Uh, it's a game from Zachtronics. Uh, it was published in two thousand and fifteen. Um, Zachtronics is a development studio that makes. You'll sometimes hear their games referred to as Zach likes. <laughs> Um, I have which, heard that. Yeah, I think that's... I, I I don't like that. I think they have a very distinguished uh, and well-realized aesthetic that carries over in their games. Um, but I don't necessarily think they're doing... They're not like... And I don't mean this as a knock. They're just like not necessarily making a new genre. So calling things as act-like is kind of weird. They're making um, really cool, uh, typically like programming, based around programming games uh that are puzzles um so they have a lot of games where you do something resembling writing code um sometimes just straight up writing code and you use that code to run computer programs or robots um in this case tis 100 is um you're rebuilding the hardware like the processing hardware of a tis 100 it's it's a fictional computer system it's based on systems from like the 1980s 
Um, Every time you've said the title of it, I keep thinking back to the fucking uh, scientific calculator. It keeps making me think of the scientific calculators. Like yeah, the, the, the TS-80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Texas Instruments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> shout out. Shout out Texas Instruments, I guess. I don't know. I just like Texas sometimes because I'm from there. It's ingrained <laughs> into me. Um, I don't actually really give a shit about Texas Instruments. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I derailed that so bad. Uh yeah, so your your the the game is you're rebuilding the hardware the like pro programming uh, you're reprogramming the hardware of the TIS one hundred and uh, as you go through it you're also learning about the TIS one hundred the game comes with a manual that it like encourages you to print out um, uh, and I also encourage you to print it out um, there was a point uh, I've played like probably 10 12 hours of this game i'm not good at these type of games judging from the steam reviews you can probably beat this game in around 10 hours if you uh like have the sort of brain for these i love games like this but because they challenge me this is like the the you know this is playing a really hard you know a dark souls game but it's a it's puzzles it's very challenging dark souls for your brain yeah because it's it's programming and i just don't have the i don't know my brain is never done stuff like that so it's very fun to try and force myself to do these but that means that i've played i don't know 10 or 12 hours and i'm not even halfway through you could probably beat this game in, in 10 hours if you you know have a knack for this um but it's very straightforward and as you're going through it you're also discovering sort of the story of the tis 100 the manual explicitly talks about how it's good for um like modeling the statistical behavior of like civilians or um automating massive financial transactions so it sort of sets up uh from the beginning even in the manual that like there's something weird about this system um and as you go through each puzzle each puzzle is presented the same way there's um i think it's 12 they're called uh basic execution nodes they're just little squares um, and each of the squares represents a, a processing point uh, in the hardware, and you're writing code to move things. So since it's a puzzle, um, it's not a sand. You know, it's not like a you're not just writing a program to do something that you need. Uh, the game is presented as like in the top left corner, there's a little set of instructions that says like, take the data from the input and um, figure out which piece of which number is bigger and then output that number first and then so how legit is this coding well so here's the thing it's it's based around an assembly language um and what that means is um programming languages come in three flavors i'm a layman here so if somebody listening to this starts screaming at their podcatcher i'm sorry Uh, i did do some like research so i know that i'm generally talking about this correctly but i'm sorry if i get some of this wrong anyways how dare you not be a master coder (laughs) anyways so it's an assembly language for the tis 100 which means um programming languages come in three flavors machine code uh assembly languages or low level languages and then high level languages machine code is how your computer thinks it's ones and zeros it's not typically something you program in because it requires a lot of like specific things to function correctly you have you have to get everything right when you write it out or it will not work right um and it's also specific to the computer to the the brain that it is thinking in um assembly language is the same way except for uh, assembly language is 
for a specific set of hardware. So typically, assembly languages will work for like a general category of processors. So like uh, I think Mo Motorola. There's a example on the Wikipedia that I actually found really helpful of like a Motorola processor where somebody shows some code they wrote for it. So I am learning how to program a TIS-100, but a TIS-100 is not a real computer. I see. Um, Still cool, though. Very cool. And the, the joy of this game is not like, um, you know, you're not moving blocks around a screen. You're not there's no score going up it just comes from at the end it works you don't get any like mm. you don't get any like red squares and angry beeps from the game uh you go through all the tests correctly and you output all the numbers right and it sounds like a thing i feel like when i say that out loud you're like how is this fun but no, I, I got like, I, when you said at the end it works, I was like, ooh. Yeah, and, oh, well, then on top of that, um, Zaktronics gives you graphs that compare you, your like efficiency in various categories to everybody who plays the game. Oh, so cool. You, you can see if like you've used more like instructions per node than other people. Or you can see if you've used more nodes than other people. And you can learn like, okay. I'm like, I know for a fact that I'm not very good at this game because I can see myself being wildly inefficient like, <laughs> on the like sixth puzzle. So I, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm going to take forever to get through this, but it's so much fun to just sit there and like this manual, I printed it out. And as I've been flipping through it to like reference certain commands or to reference how the execution nodes work, um, it's been getting like worn and has creases in it and there's something really cool about playing a video game that is giving me this very tactile thing mm -hmm. there's a very very nice connection between the world the game wants me to be in because i have this paper manual and like on the front of it is a fake note from your fake aunt about how like you know uncle randy died so fast and we're still waiting on uh, like the cause, but I went into his workshop and thought you might want to have this because it was what was on his desk and he would be really happy to know somebody's carrying on your work. And that's just on the front. And it's like fake handwriting. And it's very, very, I don't know, it makes me want to to dig into the game more. It makes me want to keep writing code. Like I'm doing something people do for a living, albeit on a very reductive scale. Um, I want to be mega clear that I know for a fact that I have zero, I still have zero knowledge of programming. I have a, like, Jordan didn't play Guitar Hero and decide that they could play guitar, you know? Right, precisely. <laughs> uh, I, I am enjoying the game, though, for the simplicity of it. It's very straightforward. It's a very straightforward design. Here's what you need to do. Here are the, here's the play area. Here are the things you could make the computer do. Figure out how to do it. And then figure out how to do it efficiently. Now, I have a question for you based on something that you have put in the Google document. Okay. I see that you have written here. Uh, it says, difficult, difficult, lemon, difficult. And yeah. I, was, I was wondering if you could speak to that. It's it's not easy peasy lemon squeezy. Uh, oh. <laughs> I didn't think Thank that you. part of the notes would come out. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> uh, it's just a hard game. It's probably, I, 
actually uh, again judging from the general playtime of like the people who really liked this game on steam of the range of like seven to 12 hours this is probably not actually that hard of a game i saw very <laughs> few people who were like i did see one steam review that was like i have nine hours of playtime but I, I have no fucking idea what i'm doing but i loved it um <laughs> which is sort of where That's i'm at I have, like i have like 12 hours of playtime and i don't like, I can see myself doing badly. I can look at how efficiently <laughs> I'm doing, and I can see myself doing less and less efficient things and eat as, like, I'm progressing through the puzzles. So I know I'm doing poorly, but I'm having so much fun. It makes me feel so intelligent, and, I, I, yeah, like I said, I really want to, like, drive home this paper manual and how just, like, brilliant that is. Because, yeah, that's a really immersive. Yeah, watching it age and get creases in it and get pencil marks on it where I've circled things or written notes, like it's just so cool, um, and it really like adds another layer to the what is a very simply presented game. Um, yeah, TIS one hundred from Zachtronics. Uh, I really, really, really like it. I'm gonna keep playing it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever finish it. At some point, you have to start. Uh, also utilizing the um, nodes to make uh, very basic like pictures. Oh, okay. By typing coordinates for like which pixel is colored what. Uh, and that, I'm like, fuck, I have to, what? I can barely move the numbers from point A to point B in a fucking arbitrary order. And now you want me to also paint pictures? So, Not to bring it back to the fucking Texas Instrument 80 calculators, but I remember... <laughs> In, in a similar vein, I remember when kids at school used to, like, use the, like, the the charting feature to, like, Oh, yeah, draw. like the graphing feature? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I couldn't even conceptualize what the fuck they were doing with that. This, <laughs> this does very much, like, feel like, uh, like, that's a really good poll to get. It's like, an, it's like programming on an old TI-80 calculator. Amazing. It's very cool. <laughs> Tell me what you've been playing, Ash. All right. So I have been splitting my time between uh, three different games. The The game I have ostensibly put the me the most hours into, I will probably talk about the least. Um, but that's just because I, I have, a, I just, I have so many gay things I have to talk about first. <laughs> um, so quick shout out to graveyard keeper i'm gonna come back to it at the end assuming we haven't already been recording for like two hours by the time we get there um but but if we don't come back to it graveyard keeper is a essentially almost a parody of stardew valley it is playing in the same space the influences are very clear um except it's this weird dark bizarro game where you're in a medieval town and you're the graveyard keeper and there are witch burnings and it's just there's very a, strange there's a donkey you can talk to who's a communist yes there's a talking communist donkey um i've i've recently made zombies it's a whole thing um <laughs> but it's very much i'm very excited about it i put a ton of time into it because and i think we've talked about this in a previous episode we both really really loved stardew valley um, mm -hmm. But I've hit enough hours on Stardew Valley where I really can't engage with it anymore. I have Same. seen too much of it. I just, I, I have nothing, it doesn't scratch that itch anymore. And this mm -hmm. does. And so I have super enjoyed that. I'll try and come back to it and talk about it more at the end. Um, but if I don't, it's very weird. Um, <laughs> it's has 
just abysmally bad tutorialization. I never have any idea what's going on, and I've played it for like 30 hours. I'm having a great time. It also um, goes on sale quite a bit. Yes, buy, I recommend buying it on sale. I bought it for 50% off, and I, I'm grateful to that. Um, but also, at this point, I've put enough hours into it. It probably would have been fine if I bought it for $20 as well. So I think you know. if you buy it on Steam, it comes with some of the DLC. Yeah, I did have to buy the DL one of the DLCs to get zombies because I was like, I'm not doing all this shit on my own anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even with the DLC, it was less than the game would have been initially. So I was like, all right, this is fine. I can justify this $5 DLC. Um, okay, so now that Graveyard Keeper's out of the way, uh, the first game I want to talk about is Signs of the Sojourner, which is a 2020 game uh, by Echo Knight Games. Um this i have heard only vaguely of this i'm actually very excited for you to dig into this i'm very excited to dig into this so this is a deck building game um where the entire purpose of it the entire mechanic hinges around abstracting conversation into this card deck based quote-unquote combat it's not i mean it's not even framed as combat but i don't know what else to call it you you are having conversations a la your deck um so there's some really really smart ways it goes about doing that and are you it goes gonna about... i'm i'm assuming you're gonna dig into the actual mechanics of that a little more right because i'm like yes. mega curious how that works. yes that's okay, cool. most of what i have to say about it because i okay. thought it was so the mechanics of this are so impressive and so interesting and every time a new mechanic was introduced i was like oh shit that's really smart um and so i will get into that but i i want to kind of do a broad strokes first okay um so the story uh takes place your mother has recently died and you're um trying to take over her shop that she ran things are not looking well in your little town and there's a chance you'll get taken off of the like trade route so you're trying to fill up your shop and impress people so that you can you know your town doesn't wither and die this is a it's a so something i really liked about this is it is a post uh, like a post-apocalyptic kind of setting but it is not it is about community it is a post-apocalyptic setting exclusively about communication and working together and building Excellent. a community oh, there is good yeah it's it's very hope punk it's very um i really really liked that i wish more games would explore that kind of post-apocalypse setting um because i found that to be very fulfilling and interesting um so the things so part of part of the conversation mechanic um, boils down to like the very bare bones of it is you are matching symbols together and the symbols technically have like meanings like a circle I think is supposed to be like an empathetic comment um, but really what it boils down to is almost a kind of dialect that people have so there are different symbols and not everyone has all of the symbols um, to communicate with um, so you have to find ways to like meet people where they're at and um, you have the basic just, like, laying down cards one after another. But you also start to learn skills like Clarify, which will let you go back and insert a card in between two other cards. So you can, like, backtrack in the conversation. Um, so are you, are you 
you're like laying them out as chains or like is it's like turn-based like you lay out a card and then the your the your the other side of the conversation lays out a card yeah it's turn-based okay. like that and you're trying to to like match what they put down and they're trying to match what because you're you have two your your cards are this is this is probably more granular than is helpful in an audio medium but your cards are two-sided so oh, okay. you are laying you are answering them and then extemporizing essentially like okay you okay. you have to talk to them and then you say more but but if you go too far off script they may not know what to say back to you so there's a possibility for failure not only in your deck but in how your deck relates to the other person um this sounds it, so cool it's so interesting and it really like so there's a uh amazing article that Patrick Klepek of Waypoints uh, wrote that we're going to link in the show notes um, where is it they... an episode of Dodge Button if we don't talk about Waypoint no <laughs> um, but he was talking with the creator and they talk about how the the sim the changing symbols almost represents this like there's a very clear feeling of walking into a place and realizing you don't know the lingo or um speaking with someone and realizing the two of you just like have nothing in common and it doesn't matter how hard either of you try you're just like not jiving with one another you're just not able to bridge that gap um so here's where the problem with this game i felt it, that coming there's always a turn ash there's always a turn. So here's the problem, is that conceptually, as like a thought piece, as a mechanic, as an idea, this is a masterpiece. I was constantly blown away by this. I was so interested in the mechanics of it. And I found the experience of playing this game to be a little miserable. Um, uh oh, oh I no. Did, I did <laughs> not enjoy playing this game. Now, part of that is my fault. I... 100% pushed against this game and played it the way it specifically tells you not to play it. Um, in my defense, it tells you that one time and it's in dialogue. So it's not, you know, it's it not like they were like, don't feel do like this. an instruction. Yeah. It was just a suggestion. The, the dialogue near the very beginning of the game is like, remember you can't please everybody. And what that means is it is literally not possible to, Min max your to to optimize your deck for everyone. You can't. You cannot do it. Okay. And if you try, you won't be able to talk to fucking anybody. And you, you tried. have to pick. And I tried. Now I played this game twice. Okay. The first time I played it, I was I had a pretty bad taste in my mouth about it when I finished it. But I loved the idea of it so much. I was like, I can't possibly dislike this game this much. This is too cool it. of an idea. This is too neat. And I think too many things about it are too good. I have done something wrong. Um, and so I played it again and I tried not to lean into min-maxing. But it's so ingrained in me that I like... I succeeded for about two thirds of the game. And then in the final act, I fucked up and tried to, to, to optimize and obviously failed. Um, <laughs> so, but that is on me, but also I do. So here's, here's where I think it, here's where I think it, it drops the ball. Where do you think it drops the ball? So there's a couple, a couple things that I think are why 
it's at least me personally, I was sort of set up for failure. Again, I recognize I engaged with this game in the way it was not supposed to be engaged with. You know, like, this is definitely partially on me. However, I think some ways where it would have been still enjoyable had I even fucking up. Um, One, there's some, like, because of that whole idea of trying to fill up the store, there is, uh, there are tasks that you, there's, like, you know, goods you have to get that are basically just meant to motivate you towards the story beats that you're Mm -hmm. having. It's essentially a very story-driven game, and you will interact with it better if you are thinking of it that way than if you are thinking of it as a, like, I need to make sure I accomplish my tasks. Like, this this should be engaged with in a sort of pyre, if I fail, I fail, and that's fine kind of way, Um, rather than seeing failure. Like a visual novel, almost? Yeah, well, but what I what I mean is just that because even in visual novels, you can have sort of the like failure is a big problem, um, and I think in this game, failure is expected. You ha- you will you are going to fail, can and you so tell I don't play a lot of visual novels. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so but if you are approaching it knowing that, it makes it feel less, uh, you know, like you've totally fucked up however i felt that the tasks even though they're just meant to motivate you towards the story beats if you don't if you fail those story beats you don't get those items and then it drops you into this like failure cycle where you just feel like you can't you 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 feel like you're messing up the story and you can't get out of it and it and it it creates the want to min max because you're like i have to make my deck work um so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily present to you the idea that like not getting these things is okay. Right. And it, it, it looks like there, there's, there's clearly multiple endings on this thing. I got two different ones when I played. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's endings where you make the, the store work and there's endings where you don't. Um, and it's fine. Um, you just need to let your story play out, but I didn't also because you have to, so, like I said, do you different... think that's like a like a lack of signposting? What do you what, what do you? I just think it's an. I just honestly, I think they. It's it's just a. Des- that's just a design. I think they put too many um, too many balls into play. To be honest, I just I think if they wanted it to be, they've like gamified it too much. You feel? Yeah. If they wanted it to be about having these conversations and being okay with losing conversations, then losing, then failing a conversation, at least at the start, it's okay for the, 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 the game to like increase in intensity and failure to be worse later on. Mm -hmm. But like from the very start of the game, I'm like, I can't fuck up this. I need this guy's bag of nuts. I can't. <laughs> if I if I fuck Please, up, talking sir, to you nuts. won't give me. <laughs> sir, you're nuts. You're you nuts, me sir. Nuts. I need them for my town. <laughs> my town will die if you do not give me your nuts, sir. <laughs> sir, you're fine as nuts. Anyways, um, and so and you also are you you. So there are all these story threads that require um getting to having multiple successful conversations with people. Um, And that means deciding from pretty early on in the game to optimize your deck towards that style of conversation. And Mm -hmm. you simply don't have time to figure out whose stories are interesting. And you have to decide from moment one. 
like who where you're going to put your resources and so i just like i have so many unfinished storylines because i i just don't know i don't know what happens when i get that far with a person i found that frustrating but the other thing is that so what happens is you um God, I hope this is more interesting audio than it feels like it is. This feels very granular. Um, no, but, I'm mega interested. So the way it works is there you'll start a conversation and it will be real you know, text. You are reading what the other person is saying to you. Um, and then you'll have a round of the, the cards. And you, most people, you can uh, they have like a certain number of failures and successes they will allow in a conversation. It defaults to three and three, but some conversations are different. Um, so they'll say something to you. It will be real written dialogue. Then you will play around. So and the cards, the cards don't present any any words. They're just like no emotive. Yes, the cards okay. are just sort of like a abstracted idea of conversation of like what you'll say and of like the how you will present what you say next basically right but it's both of you it's not just the cards don't just represent your side it represents like a whole chunk of conversation um okay let me let me just i promise i'll make it make more sense let me get through it okay um so they they talk to you you play around and then depending on whether you've won or lost that hand they they have a response that's also written dialogue and so you you have in between every round of the card conversation you have real dialogue from them that you're reading and so it may be like it opens up and it's like hey i missed your mom so much i'm so sorry i think you're gonna do great with the the store and then you'll have a round of communication and let's say you win and they're like yeah you know it's been really rough but i think we're gonna do it and, you know, like, and so the, the, the conversation sort of continues. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes winning or losing, you get these really interesting, like, reactions from people. And sometimes losing gets a great line of, of very interesting dialogue. And that makes losing not feel so bad because you're like, whoa, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Um, because you'll you'll be talking about the, the mom or whatever and you'll fuck up and it'll be like, and they'll they'll say something sort of open ended where it's like, "Hey, you didn't have to bring that like that that that's not a fair way to talk about that. I didn't mean it like that." Um, okay. And that's really interesting. The problem is with a lot of the failures, a mm-hmm. lot a lot of the failures are shit like you're not making sense, or did you hit your head? Um, oh, and no. they don't. It doesn't add anything. Too much too, branching. Too much branch. Too much branching. And so uh, one of the things I wanted to take directly from the article that was a quote from Patrick Klepek's article said that uh, apparently even behind the scenes, the developers did not write out a secret script for the player's dialogue. And my, what I want to say is, and sometimes it shows. <laughs> um, sometimes it is really clear that you do not have a script for exactly what these two are talking about. Um, and you did not know how to come up with a bad reaction. Um, and so again, that's, so if, if failing had more interesting results and was more reliably, uh, a real plot direction, I think there would be, I would have nothing. That's probably also why it feels like you shouldn't fail. 
Exactly. It it feels like I'm getting the bad ending. So mm-hmm. the, the the thing about this communi- the communication system is that you have something that by abstracting half of the conversation out, you have this this dialogue tree that is infinitely changeable, which is so interesting conceptually mm-hmm. because dialogue is usually so rigid in games. But right. because it's infinitely changeable, it is completely lacking in specificity. And specificity is what makes a story interesting. And right. I think that's it's like where... when you it's like when you hear bad uh one side of the phone dialogue in like a play when you can tell the, exactly. the actor hasn't been like coached through having a phone conversation on stage. Exactly. And so I think that's <laughs> Which where is probably my... actually a wildly specific example. <laughs> you but you're so correct. Um <laughs> so so that's where I think my really big like conflict with this game comes is because I think the mechanics of this game are so smart and so interesting like they midway through I something um catastrophic there's like a catastrophic um a bad thing happens and and suddenly some of the people you interact with have a new symbol that means grief and you can't Matt, the only thing that pairs with it is grief. I think I may have stolen that line directly from Austin Walker. I'm so sorry. But like, <laughs> um, but, but you can't, so you, you can't communicate with these people because if you t- put grief into your deck, then it, you're taking up your ability to talk to anyone who isn't grieving. And so it, it's just like this. Wow. This, yeah. This abstract. Wow. That's so sorrow. Wow and loss and it's beautiful it's brilliant and holy crap i know that's so (laughs) i know and then you feel like you're and then you feel like you're you're losing because and then you're like larry i need the nuts (laughs) (laughs) and he's like did you hit your head right he's like you're not making any sense and i'm like fuck (laughs) and then i have to put my switch down so I have I I am so mixed on this and I'm definitely definitely going to be coming back to this game in a few months to try and do another playthrough totally clean and to really be like all right which part of the map do I want to be able to talk with people um we because do, that we I do want like a, we should do like a revisit episode Absolutely we're, we're planning on the air now but yes, no, we but we should. I, I, because I know part of my <laughs> frustration with this game is that I pushed against it. Mm-hmm. I pushed back and I didn't I didn't play the way I it it the whole idea is to make you not fall into gaming conventions and uh-huh. I was like fuck you, I'm going to fall. I'm <laughs> capital I'm an elite gamer. gamer. <laughs> I'm going to optimize the fun straight out of my game. And I did, and it wasn't fun. Uh-huh. Um, so, however, I did. Despite all of that, I managed to accidentally end my first run early by marrying a robot and going to live on a farm. Yeah, but what did you do in the game? <laughs> Man, if only. Um, <laughs> my cat is. Uh, if you heard a horrifying squeaking sound in the background of my audio, it's my cat's little paws dragging across the door. So give me a second. So I've been playing. Uh, speaking of games with manuals. <laughs> yes. It'll it'll the robust m- genre. It'll make sense in a second. Uh, I've been playing Dominion's Four. Uh, it's a game by Ill Winter Design. 
released in 2013. Um, Ill Winter Design is essentially two uh, Swedish guys who uh, develop games like <laughs> in their spare time. Um, so this is this is. Uh, I was listening to an episode of a podcast called Three Moves Ahead, which I highly recommend if you're into strategy games. Um, they just talk about various strategy games. It's usually like um, two or three uh, industry professionals. Rob Zachney is a host. I love uh, Rob Zachney. Um, so Three Moves Ahead has an episode on Dominions. I think it's actually on Dominions 5, but um, one of the hosts on there is a guy named Dr. Bruce Garrick, um, and he is the guy who writes the manual for the Dominions games. Um, and he talks about how these games sort of follow the uh, Dwarf Fortress model of game design, um, which is uh, that these two guys who made Dominions were kind of like, we want to make a strategy game, like a, a war game that has everything we like. Um, and we're basically only going to make this game. Uh, and it works. Um Dominions 4 is uh, a 4X turn-based strategy game. It's not really a 4X. It's technically a war game, but that's like such a niche genre that most people who look at it are going to see a 4X. So for other people who aren't me, who certainly, of course, obviously, definitely, yes, understands what 4X means, uh -huh. would you like to tell those other people who aren't me exactly uh -huh. what it means? 4X stands for... Uh, explore, expand, uh, exploit, and exterminate. Uh, oh. Which you, you'll notice uh, are things that I'll actually start with E. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah, there's a series of games. Civilization is like Sid Meier's Civ. Civ is the game that's probably going to jump out to most people. I was going to say, um, I know I've heard civilizations referred to as a 4x yeah it, i if didn't you, actually know what it even meant. if you don't know what 4x is if you know what civ is you know what 4x is gotcha um civilization had such a big impact on the genre that it is sort of still the template to this day uh 4x's are some sort of only now kind of peeling themselves away uh from the civ blueprint um and doing new things um <clears throat> dominions though is actually better described as a war game there's very little uh, in the way of, like, city building that you would get out of a 4X game. You're not really expanding your cultural limits. There's not any diplomacy. There aren't any other victory paths other than claiming uh, on each map there is uh, a number of uh, uh, special buildings called the Thrones of Ascension. Um, and you just have to claim a majority of them. That is how you win every game. Um, I should caveat everything I say about this game by mentioning that it is massive. Um, I have played 15 hours of it so far. Uh, that is just my first game. I have not even finished it yet. I literally claimed my first Throne of Ascension at hour, like, 13. Uh, and I am well. slowly my, making my way across the map. Part of that is, like, I play the game really slowly. Um, yeah, you could probably do it faster, but uh, it's just a big game. Um, so Dominions 4 is a 
historical retelling of the events that took place in the land of dominions um and in the land of dominions this is fictional i want to be super clear i was gonna say ah yes we all know the story of the land of dominions and in the land of dominions um what happened is the sort of chief god um who's referred to as the panto crater uh name yeah dope name uh, there's so many cool names in this this whole game. Uh, the Pantocrator has disappeared. There's not really we don't really know what has happened. We just know the Pantocrator is no longer, uh, you know, is no longer chief god and ain't, ain't home no more. Um, so you play a pretender god, is what you're called, and you are um, the god like you're like a demigod of a civilization, and you're trying to get this civilization to. Uh, expand across the map and claim the Thrones of Ascension so that you can take the place of the Pantocrator. Um, and it's broken up into various ages. There's the early, the middle, and the late ages. And each one of those ages has like 15 or 20 cultures. And they're all different. So each one, there's like 60 or 80 different cultures total. Uh, and some of them have like fictional connections uh, some of them don't show up until certain ages. Um, some of them uh, wax and wane in their abilities and powers in certain ages. Um, so this game is uh, described as incredibly deep a lot. And while I think that's fair, I don't think that's necessarily a good way to use the word deep. Because I think ultimately this is just a game about pushing armies around a map. Um I think it's better described as wide, and I, I want to be clear that I mean that with, like, praise. Uh, <laughs> it, it is not necessarily very deep. You're ultimately trying to gather up as uh, you know, a big army and push it across the map and claim the Thrones of Ascension. But the choices ripple out in such an interesting way um, that it not only builds its own narrative, but it legitimately changes what you're doing. Um, or not doesn't change what you're doing it changes how you're fielding your army and what your army is made up of and what tactics you are using um, that's why I don't necessarily think it should be described as deep I, you don't you are you are still just ultimately affecting the battlefield and your troops uh, and your enemy's troops but you can do a bunch of stuff so the the game I've been playing for the last 15 hours and haven't finished um, is I'm playing as the tower uh, and the tower is this monolith of stone. That is my pretender god. So uh, I've given up sort of my the advantages of having a god who can wade onto the battlefield and shoot lightning from their fingertips and shit by having a god who um, can be constantly, like, expanding their abilities or, um, like, they also aren't taking up resources, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I've chosen to be the pretender god of this culture called Ulm, U-L-M. They are the this like kingdom of humans and their sort of thing is they dress all of their or they they arm all of their infantry in this like black plate armor. Um and also their mages. So you have two like important units in the game which are mages and priests. Um and mages need magic to do their thing right and magic is a, an inherent feature of the land mm -hmm. um but because of the way i have set up my god 
um, I drain magic from the land. And because I'm the kingdom of Ulm, my smiths who forge this metal armor, they don't really need magic. They don't really use magic. Their, their magic is in the way they treat iron, what they do to it and how they forge it. So I suck the magic from the land and other people's mages, the, the other pretender god that I'm fighting, his mages are almost useless in my territory. But oh, my sick. mages, my mages can go out across the land and build armor and raise these armies of clockwork soldiers and just like cascade them across the, the map and use them to just raise, you know, raise the enemy's cities and stuff. And then on top of that, I recently claimed the Throne of Bones. So I didn't know this, but each Throne of Ascension on the map is like a unique thing, and it gives unique uh, effects. So I claimed the Throne of Bones, and now the dead are rising across the map. Oops. And some of them are coming to work for me. Hey. Um, so when you when you encounter my army on the battlefield right now, um, I also early on in the game um, took over a kingdom of Amazons. So when you encounter my army right now, it's um, a bunch of zombies, a bunch of clockwork soldiers, um, heavy infantry in jet black plate armor, and everybody who can use magic is shooting fire at you beautiful um yeah so like that's dominion that's the, the it's a game that built this narrative where i have this circle of mages who all worship this pretender god and i'm trying to to conquer this realm and it's at first i was like eh because i have the same problem with a lot of war games and forex games where i often feel like i'm just kind of moving my army and hitting in turn and waiting for them to get into a fight which is what yeah, you're doing I was going to ask about that because I I know that this isn't necessarily your your bag typically genre wise Yeah, I normally pick up like one game like this a year um but you're right this is I that game <laughs> This is probably that game for me. I normally don't play games like this because I have the same pro it's it's definitely mostly a factor of the way I am as a person who plays games and not necessarily a factor of the genre where I often just feel like, all right, I'm just waiting for these armies to get in a fight. And that is what you're doing in Dominions. But once I realized that I could make choices that would affect, you know, that would ripple out where I, I claimed the throne of bones and then a necromancer came and joined me. And then I sent him into the, to sit upon the throne of bones and he found a ghoul cave and summoned ghouls and that was just so once i took a look at what i could ghoul do around yeah <laughs> once i took a look at what i could do around forming the army and like gave the game a little more credit and gave it a little more time i do have the problem of it feels a lot like i'm spending a lot of plates because the <sighs> okay so I've talked a lot about how cool the game makes you feel. Let's talk about the game as a game. It's yes. got really bad UI. Oh dear. Uh, it's you got UI. It. It's got uh, like control implementation that doesn't make sense. It's based in these like really basic 2D sprite graphics. It's an outright ugly game. Oof. 
you right click stuff that you would typically left click you left click stuff that you would typically right click um, but if you can put yourself in character if you're the sort of, I think that's why because I am that I'm, I am that sort of person who loves to play games that force me to to role play and mm -hmm. I think that's what hooked me here is I started building this narrative and I started seeing these battles not as just moving this this clump of sprites from one bordered section to another bordered section but as my consumption of magic as my armies marched across the land you know what I mean yeah absolutely once I made that switch, this game opened up for me in, in such incredible ways. Um, and I think that if you can get past how outright ugly and like kind of hard to control this thing is, it's this beautiful just like sandbox of make make a war story, make a make a make a story about these these empires going to war for yourself. Um, that I just really fell in love with. Um, to, like, yeah. Is it the the role playing element more engaging for you than the um, the strategy part, or is it all kind of is that not even something you could possibly pry apart? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I realized as I was asking it that it might not even be. <laughs> I actually two separate things. I really enjoy the strategic. I mean, it's it, it really is two different things. I, I suppose the way you envision your pretender god will change the way you 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 know strategize. Um, but uh, there's actually a pretty good um control system for like you can put you can change the way your armies are laid out. So you can have your cavalry off to one side so that they don't get tripped up by your infantry. And you can put your pikemen in front of your heavy infantry so that they can take the initial cavalry charge. And you can put your archers in the back and uh, change their behavior so that they, you know, fire and retreat and fire and retreat so that they, you know, maintain a good distance. So there's a, a, a good enough layer of, of manually strategizing that, if you want to play a sort of reckless god who does, you know, sends his mages into wild territory for no reason, you can do that but still make really smart strategic choices that will help you win. Cool. Um, I think that uh, I would recommend... So Dominions 4 is really cheap. The whole series, I think as the next one comes out, they, they sort of make the last game way cheaper. I think Dominions 4 is like 10 or 12 bucks. I honestly think that Dominions 5 is actually the game I want. Oh. Um, so the biggest thing that uh, they changed in Dominions 5 is the battles... One of the, This is actually... I'm really glad I'm thinking about this because uh, it's one of the coolest things about Dominions in general. Um, as you're making sort of orders and, and doing the sort of meta part of moving armies and ordering mages to build labs and stuff you're just presented with like a, a 2D flat map. But whenever your troops go into battle, you get a 3D, or maybe it's better described as like 2.5D. Um, it's a sprite based. So like, it looks like Castlevania from the nest basically. Um, uh -huh. But you get to see the battle play out and you get oh, to cool. see, 
your armies, you know, the armies charging at one another and your, your mages slinging these spells and stuff like that. Um, but in Dominions 4 and in every Dominions game before Dominions 5, it plays out turn-based. So one part of your army moves and then whoever goes next, another part of your army might move or a part of the enemy army might move. So it's kind of hard to tell what's working or why it's working because everything plays out in a really kind of disjointed manner and the the logging uh is either too verbose or not verbose enough for my taste uh you can change the setting and i didn't like either of them <laughs> um and in dominions 5 it plays out in real time okay so uh dominions 5 however is like way more expensive because it's the most recent one uh uh I should. I want to be mega clear. We talk about price sometimes a lot on this podcast. I will never begrudge developers for charging. Not never. I normally don't begrudge developers for charging however much they want for their video game. Uh, if I buy your video game at that price and it doesn't feel like it's worth that price, that's something else. But the initial price you set for your game, whatever. Um, but I am broke. So I was going to say, a lot five... of our, our price stuff is just colored by the fact that we have no money. <laughs> right, right, right. That's. I just want to be clear that I'm not saying like Dominions 5 is too expensive for what it is. I think Dominions 5 is worth the like $40 they're charging for it. Um, I just don't, I, I have to wait till, you know, my next $40. paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, I think Dominions 4 is the pickup. But if for some reason, I don't know, if you feel like the battle system is something that bugs you, like, I, like for me, that's the biggest sticking point is I, I love watching the battles, but I can't quite tell why i'm winning other than the fact that my armies are my army is massive and incredibly well organized and well equipped like i know or not sorry not well organized my army is massive and well equipped i don't know how well organized it is because i can't actually really follow the battle so i don't know if i'm just winning because i have 150 troops to the you know 30 or 40 i've been fighting mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of a bummer it's hard to to follow sometimes but I, uh, yeah, I really like it. I, I, at first I was, I didn't like it, but once I really let myself embrace the, the emergent narrative and, uh, really like gave the sort of what I was viewing as peripheral mechanics, let them actually be more center stage as, as they should be. Uh, then it really opened up for me. And I, I really recommend this game. If you like turn-based strategy, that's one of the reasons I really like it. I, uh, you actually asked me, like, do you prefer your, your strategy games turn-based or real-time? Uh, and the answer is actually both. I, I think the best strategy games are real-time with pause. Ah, yes. Um, that's hard I to do in multiplayer, like though. Yes. Uh, and most strategy games are built to also be played in multiplayer. Uh, and I don't want to play video games with other people. Same. <laughs> so, uh, 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 it's hard to find games like that sometimes, but Dominion's 4 is turn-based and uh if i can't play real-time with pause i don't really like real-time strategy games i like them turn-based so i can take my time uh and think about what i'm doing and you know spin all the plates i need to yeah i feel you i dip i typically don't want strategy to also be high octane i <laughs> right I wanna if i'm gonna think about it i want to think about it god damn it right i don't want to have a I need panic to, attack i need to have the analysis paralysis I for as to... long as I can, I I need it. Right, for as long as I want it. <laughs> you can't take it from me. 
That's what I liked about Dicey Dungeons, which I think was last episode that I talked about, was mm-hmm. I could I could think however long I wanted. I could use the 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 battle screen as a pause menu. It was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've also been f- playing a game about war, or in my case, the aftermath of war. Okay, I'm so excited. This is the game that I'm most excited for you to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. So, I finally picked up Heaven Will Be Mine, which is a 2018 uh, game that was produced by Pillow Fight and Worst Girls Games. It's a uh, visual novel. Gay visual novel is the energy that I am bringing to this episode. Gay visual Um, novel. That's that's what we're up to. Sort of, sort of the sort of part of the dodge button aesthetic. I think. It really is, to be quite honest. It's sort of kind um, of what we built our house on. <laughs> leaning into that. Um, <laughs> so heaven will be mine is a sort of take. It's, it's a very like wild dip into the sort of mech anime genre, um, taking it from. Oh, I love that combination of words. <laughs> yes. Just a wild angle. So, first of all, it's the the sci-fi setting, the sci-fi world that Heaven Will Be Mine takes place in is really dense and they try to do a um sort of day not day not deus ex machina, what's the word I want? In media res. Wow. Okay. Two completely different Latin sentences. Very, yeah, very um, different <laughs> concepts there. <laughs> very different and sound, don't even sound remarkably uh-uh. the same. Um, okay, anyways, they try to do this in-media res thing where they're dropping you in and you're not really supposed to know what's going on. Um, in my opinion, it was a little too complicated to try and do the way they did it. <laughs> okay. I played this game through twice and I don't feel like I understood what was going on until my second playthrough. That being said, I really, really, I, I also started the game at 3am, so that's partially my bad. Um, <laughs> I was not at my peak uh, in- like intellectual a, performance. I feel like that's a common theme here. It is. Um, <laughs> but I do think the war. So the I, I want to be clear. I didn't quite understand it at first. And I do think that the onboarding was a little misguided. However, I think the world they've created is very cool. I think the story is really strong, which it has to be because it is like, when I say visual novel, I mean this is a this is a book we are clicking through you you get to make a couple choices uh-huh. but it, like it's a choose your own adventure book it, but like barely there's okay. there you you have conflicts with other characters and you get to you go into that conflict and the only thing the only time you are ever asked to make a decision is you go into a conflict and it asks you okay do you win or do you lose um and well then, hold on that's a dope question though yes Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and I so know then, we're kind of burying the lead here that it's a it's a visual novel and there's not a lot to it, but hey, that's a lot to it. That's a lot to it. Listen, I am not belittling this game. I thought yeah. this was cool as fuck. Um, I just want to be clear. When I say visual novel, you won't be doing much here. <laughs> yeah, this is a game that I was like, I want to get this. And you were like, Jordan, I, I say this with love. You will not like this game. <laughs> Yeah, you were gonna. I kept sending Jordan quotes, and Jordan was like, "Damn, this sounds so cool. I'm gonna have to pick this up. Do you want to like make this like a real dodge button episode?" And I was like, "Jordan, I don't know how to say this, but you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want this to be a real dodge button episode. This is too. This is not your cup of tea. 
But you know what it is? Really fucking cool. So um, I've tried really hard. When I first put together my notes on this, I had it was basically just quote after quote after quote from this uh-huh. game because uh-huh. this game is poetic as hell, both in like a literal just like wordsmith sense, but also in it has some like really profound statements that it makes about humanity and the way they've transformed war and just like it it really is very interesting and i've I've parsed it back i'm definitely going to be giving you more quotes than i typically do in Uh a dodge button which is usually zero um i don't (laughs) usually quote the game um i'm i'm reading some of these quotes and i just want to say i said it to you before this really feels like your writing thank you I encourage anybody who has either who either enjoys this game or has enjoyed Ash's writing to play this game or read Ash's writing, whichever one you haven't done. Because <laughs> I'm just reading some of these quotes and I'm like, All right, man, Ash, you fucking write a game and not tell me. <laughs> this game is is very much like my shit for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the the person who made it, I believe their name is A A B V. Um. I, I've got an article. I'm actually another thing we're gonna link is an article that was a uh, interview with uh, the person who made it because uh, something that ABB wanted to do was to portray lesbian relationships that weren't safe, reserved, or desexualized. Um, that is a direct quote. Um, and I think that they were really successful. I think this game is really successful with that. I think. It's a really interesting... You've got these... First of all, two of the characters are canonically trans women. Um, Beautiful. And and there are three characters. You get to pick which character you play as. Two out of the three are trans women. And one out of the three has been very specifically not clearly shown as cis or trans. Um, So, (laughs) the gender fuckery. (laughs) Incredible. Incredible gender fuckery. That's beautiful. Um, also, they're canonly <laughs> two, polyamorous. There's no two endings. trans women and a question mark. And a question mark. Uh, that's our new podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so, what was I trying? To, oh, and they're always polyamorous. There's no ending that doesn't end with them being polyamorous. Uh-huh. Love that. On board for that. Um, so, to give a little bit of, it, it would be very difficult to explain the plot in its entirety, but to give sort of a, a general idea. Um, this takes place in an alternate universe version of the 1980s. Um, so in there was a there was a Cold War, except like the Cold War went hot. No, the Cold oh. War was with aliens. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> the Cold War was fought in space. Um, and so the the qu- Cold War was against the quote unquote existential threat which humanity came together to best. Um, and they put together these big Gundam, these big mechs that they sent out uh, to fight the, the extra extraterrestrial threat. Um, the game starts after the aliens have been bested. There are no more aliens. The aliens are gone. Um, and what they have is this generation of kids who were raised in space, who are now adults, who were raised in space to fight this war for them. Um, and they're just stuck out there in space with their, their mechs and their uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so they, so they, did, what? did they get to fight the war? 
Uh, some of them did. That's part of the story is that uh, one of your main characters, Saturn, never actually got to be in, the, never was like trained, um, but the war ended before she ever okay, got was, to do anything. Okay. In. Yeah. That's, yeah. oh man. Yeah. I'm gonna um, have to watch a playthrough of this then. You're right. I don't fucking want to play this, but, but man, but, I'm gonna have to watch somebody play through it. So what you have left is you have these three factions of the, of, people operating in space earth is its own thing and earth honestly is essentially an uh an antagonist in this story um which is very interesting isn't um, it usually huh i don't i was trying to say something like weirdly nihilistic and it didn't work <laughs> sorry no but in these kinds of stories you're often you know like it's 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 earth against right. space you know uh -huh. and in this case these people who were sent to space are are almost considered less human for having been in space, um, and so you have these. That's three wild! Functions. How weirdly true that rings. That just sounds yes. like something that would happen. There's a huge focus in this game on humanity's uh, nature to alienate itself and to create <laughs> an existential threat wherever it can find one out of whomever it can find. Um, okay. And so there are three factions. There's the Memorial Foundation. These names aren't super important. However, they are important when it's 3 a.m. and you're trying to read a huge hunk of very dense sci-fi text and you don't know what they mean. <laughs> um, I, like, wrote notes. I was so confused. Um, but basically there's a foundation that wants – that their whole goal is to, like, make peace with Earth and have Earth take them back. So the goal is to get everybody back on the planet. No more space. There is no, this quote is no future. There is no future for humanity in space. Um, there is. The, we're drawing a line. We're drawing a line. We're going home, boys. Um, <laughs> then there is the faction Cradles Graces, which wants to, which loves what they've found out in space and wants to um, stay and not be, because Earth is basically like, you're going to come home or you're not, or we're going to come get you. Fuck you bye okay. um so cradles graces is like hey can you maybe please leave us alone like we're just gonna be cool in space is that cool we don't um, we don't want to fight we don't want to fight we just want to be cool in space and earth is like no um and then there's celestial mechanics who are like celestial mechanics are the ones who see the writing on the wall of earth is going to turn us into an enemy because celestial, we are othered celestial mechanics is the upgrade you get that makes meteors work more Yes. <laughs> um, Shout out to any anybody who gets that fucking obscure reference. Um, Celestial Mechanics has a quote that I have to read because this—I okay. think this was the first quote I ever sent you from the uh -huh. game. Yep. Um, which was, "Earth or space, we are just short of one hundred percent human. So let's see how much less than one hundred percent we can get." And just, who? Oh, buddy. I was I'm like, in. oh, this is a game. This is I'm a in. game. That's, hey, I'm in. Very cool. Love that's that. My, that's my faction. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know. It, it's so, this is such a, a, a visceral experience of a game. There is so much going on that there's this like surreal noise music soundtrack that plays. Um, there are these very, these very big battles, but the, so, so the whole idea with this was that they were able to have these battles where the people in them aren't really, the people in the Gundams aren't really in danger. 
you know, like they're fighting with these light lasers and these like temporary electricity poisoning things that don't hurt the pilot. The war, the war, quote unquote, the battle is all flash. It's it's plastic toys. It is it is mecha, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so the the stakes for the pilots are emotional ones, not physical ones. Um, and the the battles between them are these like landmines of interpersonal relationship. Um, and something that it does, and it, now granted, I am not an expert on mech anime. I have watched my fair share of mech anime, but I am not a, a devotee of the genre, and I don't want to make it sound like I am dismissing or or um, not giving mech anime its 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 due. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be I don't want to be like this game does something no mech anime does because like I don't fucking know. Maybe mm-hmm. some, maybe some mech anime does, but it explores an element that I have not seen explored, which is it really digs into the fact like it says outright giant robots have never been practical for war. Like, it points out that the robots cannot be vessels of real war because it doesn't make any fucking sense for them to be. They don't work that way. They are, they are a form of self-expression. There's a quote that says, the, the ship self isn't a perfect form of war. It is a form that, by nature, turns war into something else. So it's this this whole idea of like humanizing the stars and I like play this. I want to play this tabletop. Yes, yes, me too. Like they 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 say like love makes the universe work, and there's just this like weird blurring of the lines between more concrete scientific things like gravity and more uh vague emotional emotional, th- emotional and, and like soul things like love and self and and identity um and they they mix those things very purposefully and it's really really beautiful um like my only real complaints about There's it always was, a turn ash listen but this turn is very small this turn is simply like i i felt they were trying to, in drawing those lines, what they did is they sort of set a trap for themselves a little bit because in draw, in, in blurring those lines, it, it reached a point where there was too, there were too many moving parts. Um, so they, they have some like unnecessary overcomplications where like, for example, they started, I don't know how to, how to explain this because I barely understand, I barely understand why they did it, but like <laughs> apparently once humanity colonized the various planets so like mars Mm -hmm. mars before people before human beings touched it was called mars but once they built a colony on it they started referring to the colony and the planet as Ares because it was not um because it had been it was no longer it was it was now an extension of earth so it was not mars it was ours now. It was Aries. It was it was something different. That it, it is it was part of the global sphere or whatever. Okay. Um, which is sort of complicated on its own. But you're like, okay, well now we're using the Roman names. I'm with it. I get that. Yep. But then they have a character named Mars. Oh. And this goes for like all of them. Like there there are char- the characters because the characters are 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 Saturn, Pluto, Lunaterra, 
um there's a mercury there's a mars and so like they've all they've used planetary names for all of the characters but that means you've got doubles on this thing where it's like okay so mars isn't a planet but it is a person um it's just like there's too many marses in play you know like i don't know what's going on and that that specific element of it felt extremely unnecessary i was like either just either take away the roman renaming of things and just let the characters also have planet names or like i pick one i don't know it was just too it was too many um (laughs) it's too many but yeah, so it's this very I I think the the sci-fi is really dense, but it's also really rich, you know? Like it's it's not needless. Sometimes and some people are really into dense sci-fi. That's like some people's jam. And so I'm not saying that with any kind of judgment on it. Dense dense is not me putting a negative spin. It's just mm-hmm. a fact. It's just mm-hmm. a very dense sci-fi setting. If you're into that, you got it. And if I you're am. not into that, you may have a problem figuring liked, out what's going on. I wish I liked visual novels. I wish as a as a, a medium I enjoyed them. I mean, for what it's worth, this game I've played it through twice in like two days. It's like a two to three hour game. Um it might you know, if if you just think about it as like this literally a novel, um, that it just has pictures. I'm just reading a book <laughs> in a really weird way. Um I'm you know, reading a book in the way of the future, Ash. The future future book. I'm reading um, books in the year 3000. Oh, uh, one more thing. I it's again, I'm just I need <laughs> I just need to read all of these quotes. They're good. It's just are just so many good quotes. They're good. But I, I can't I can't move on without tapping into a couple more, which um there's so there's this whole thing this whole like theme throughout it about how and i love this as someone who loves sci-fi and who's always very frustrated by the inherent like humanity of sci-fi alien races in mainstream sci-fi where it's like oh cool so they have a gender binary too you know like this this like really (laughs) i'm very frustrated by that whole thing and this game specifically has a whole thing about how humanity is literally unable to imagine something truly extraterrestrial um and there's a a book called Space Marine. I can't remember. It's a series, but there's a thing in there uh, called Alexander's First Law, which is a uh, fake law of a of Xeno archaeology, which states that uh, a culture will never be able to conceptualize another culture like outside of itself. You will always, yeah. human beings will always con- try to conceptualize aliens as something on, on Earth. Or, or as like, like we will always try to compare. It's talking about how uh, you uh, in the book, they're like fighting this like lizard civilization that had contact with the early Mayans. So they're constantly trying to draw parallels between early Mayan civilization and this alien civilization. And the whole reason the law is brought up is because that ends up being completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just turns out they've been trying to, like, uh, you know, predict the aliens' next step strategically completely wrong. Anyways. But in in that same space, um, it's got the, the, this whole ordeal of, like, humans, I think I said it before, humans' nature to alienate itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's this incredible quote that I literally had to, like, I had to, like, I was already sitting, but I had to sit down. Um, (laughs) Where... Uh, they said only humans can fulfill the criteria to be alien. 
Um, and I was like, um, but I think I want to, I think, I think I've touched on pretty much everything Mm -hmm. that I wanted to say. Um, I just want to leave off with one more quote, but I feel like it really encapsulates what it, what this is trying to do, what it's trying to say, and just really like got to me. Mm -hmm. Um, which was instead of fighting like people do fight like ships do fight like plastic toys do fight like you don't have a body like you don't hate your body fight your way into a new body holy fuck it's a very very beautifully written game um it's only on uh it's not on any consoles it's only on pc um i assume also mac um but did you get it on Steam? Or did you get it on I got it on Itchio. Okay. Um, but it's also on Steam. It's fifteen bucks. It's a if couple can, hours of your time. If you can, here's a dodge button tip. Uh, if you can buy a game on Itch, you should because Itch does a better split than Steam with creators. Itch, Itch is a good. I I actually do not have a Steam account anymore because someone tried to hack it, and I was like, goodbye. Um, <laughs> I got a login from Russia, and I was like, later. I don't have an account Don't need this. Um, I hadn't logged in in, like, five years. So I was like, okay, (laughs) goodbye. Um, But, yeah, love love Ichio. Um, Love that game. That's my my soapbox. What else else have you been up to? You been up to anything else? Uh, I want to give a quick... I think we're we're probably right at the end. I, I... uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Rogue Legacy too. Um, I didn't. Oh, yes. I didn't uh, really end up wanting to talk about it. Uh, on the one hand, because it's still actually in pretty early access, um, it's probably only about half finished. Um, so I, I didn't feel comfortable giving any sort of critical take on it. Uh, also, I'm completely incapable of giving any sort of critical take on it. Um, I played like. 600 hours of rogue legacy one i have been waiting to pick up rogue legacy two since i heard it was coming out um uh it's the best game ever uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not, that's not that's not true it has weaknesses and shit the but end. like i love rogue legacy like that game cellar door games can do no wrong that game can do no wrong uh in my eyes um so like i, I just ended up not really wanting to talk about it because i probably would have just said that so <laughs> anyways yeah rogue legacy two i really enjoy it i uh, highly recommend you pick it up uh Maybe I'll talk more about it when it is a little more fleshed out, and I feel like I can give like a better sort of opinion on it. Heck yeah, beautiful. I <laughs> I don't have time to really come back to Graveyard Keeper. Uh, I will say I I will probably bring it up in a later episode because I have really I I'm, we I'm might hoping even, I finish it. We might even want to do like a, uh, an app on it because it seems like I might really enjoy it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those that you're either gonna lock into it or you aren't. Um, like it's, I'm not, I can't even really say for sure why I locked into it. I just know that like, I literally have been having to force myself to open other games. Cause I'm just like, want to play more graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Let's, it's, let's... it's just fetch quest on fetch quest on fetch quest in here. And that's all yeah. I want to do. Sometimes is I that's go, all you need. I just want to, as a matrishka doll of hey, fetch quests. It's, and I just it's... don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for world of Warcraft, man. Sometimes you gotta. Um, so our, for the record, we, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive, 
our our end of the month episode is going to be about Disco Elysium. I put the pretty positive on there because I have the PS4 version, which just released a couple days ago, and the uh, the console versions seem to be not without quite a few bugs, some of which might be game breaking. Um. Uh oh. So I'm I'm not giving up on it. I'm gonna figure. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> um. Uh. But if I run into it's just whether whether I uh, am able to progress past a certain point, which I think is relatively early in the game. Maybe, um, we, maybe we talk about it even if it breaks. Maybe, hey, maybe we talk about it even if it breaks. But, you know, we're we're working <laughs> on it. But that's that's the plan currently for the end of month is just yeah, go Elysium. I'm actually, I really hope that it works for you because I started digging through it the other night and was like, holy fuck, I forgot how cool this game is. Uh, I am... Now they've added a bunch of voiceover and stuff to it, so. I'll, I'll talk with you about this once we wrap recording, because I okay. do want to talk about what I've been running into, but it okay. does not matter to our listening audience. That's it for today's episode of the Dodge Button Podcast. Our theme song is BitQuest by Kevin McLeod. If you want to drop us a line, you want to, I don't know, recommend a game to us, you want to talk about what we had to say about a game, you can email us You want to tell Dodge... us we're wrong? You want to tell us we're wrong? You can email us at dodgebuttonpod at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at DodgeButton. Find us on your favorite podcatcher. Just search Dodge Button Podcast. If you can, please rate, review, and don't forget to subscribe. Uh, if you have any trouble finding us and you want to try and have us get on a podcatcher that you prefer, uh, shoot us an email and we'll get that fixed. It's actually pretty easy. Uh, like Ash just said, our end of the month episode will hopefully be over Disco Elysium. Um, if not, well, we will probably tweet about what it ends up being if it doesn't end up being that. So that's the best place to... Uh, get news for us is uh, at Dodge Button. I've been Jordan Hamilton. And I've been Ash Vernon. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye. I love you. Bye. I love you.